Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Middle of the week. Let's go. It's the Eagle Hour on a Wednesday. Thank you for joining us today from 1 to 2 like you do every single day listening across the Super Talk Mississippi Network. Appreciate you joining us today. Luke Johnson flying solo for a little bit. Kelly Sander will be in later. We'll be talking some baseball, minor league baseball, how the uh, the Golden Eagles and the Miners finished up. We'll talk to Al Holder a little later in the program. I'll talk a little more about realignment, give you some quotes uh, from Will Hall and uh, Austin Armstrong uh, from practice this week, all that coming up during this hour. Bob out the rest of the week. Eagle Hour will be on the road tomorrow in uh, two different places in Hattiesburg. You can stop by and, and see us as uh, we're getting ready for a Southern Miss UAB on Saturday. First segment of Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a neighborhood near you. Dickie's has some of the greatest and most delicious smoked meats can be found anywhere. The hometown team with Justin and his whole crew just outside Turtle Creek Mall in West Hattiesburg. Dickie's cooked here, loved everywhere. Well, let's kick things off on a Wednesday. Let's go down to uh, NOLA to talk to Patrick McGee with NOLA.com covering the Saints and all things Louisiana. Talk a little Southern Miss with him, uh, too. Patrick, how's your week going? Going pretty good so far. How about your own? It's going well, man. Thanks uh, Thanks for joining us uh, today. Let's talk a little realignment news uh, before we uh, we talk about the Saints. And uh, so... Kind of your your perspective, you know, earlier in the week, Conference USA, Judy McLeod sends kind of a letter out to the Sun Belt and the uh, the AAC kind of wanting to, you know, join forces. We uh, talked about it yesterday, Patrick, almost like a, a, a desperate Hail Mary plea from Conference USA. Looks like the Sun Belt doesn't want any part of that American holding out uh, maybe a, a little longer. Kind of your take generally about the whole situation. Yeah, just everything I've seen reported, the American has really no interest in it. And really, Conference USA is coming at this from a point of weakness. Uh, there's, you know, nobody's really interested in in, in working with the uh, CUSA at this point because they kind of see CUSA is a loser in all this. If anything is going to happen, is Conference USA is going to lose, uh, you know, possibly lose teams to both uh, the American and the Sun Belt. And, you know, it's, if, if I'm any member of Conference USA, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't see how anybody kind of sees himself as being in a stronger position uh, in sticking with CUSA. Now, the, I guess the one thing that could be a hurdle for some of these schools, if they want to leave for the American or the Sun Belt, is that, you know, it's not easy, it's not cheap uh, to, to buy your way out. Uh, you'd have to go through a little fundraiser to kind of get that money together. Uh, to make that happen, uh, you know, it, it would be interesting to see how some of these schools would handle that. But it's, you know, uh, if, if this was going to happen, and it needed to happen, you know, several years ago when you had a Carl Benson uh, in charge of the Sun Belt who was very much open to these ideas. Uh, now that Benson's no longer uh, in charge of the Sun Belt, uh, it's really not, a, a, you know, it's just obvious the American 
and the Sun Belt just don't have any interest in that. Um, but yeah, I you know Conference USA is is starting to fade, and and you know the American in a way is fading as well. Uh, I guess you could say the Sun Belt is the one conference of the three that's still kind of on the rise at this point. Couple of uh, things on the uh, the Twitter sphere. Brett McMurphy uh, commenting that the American has yet to formally respond to Conference USA's reorganization plan, but there's absolutely uh, no interest uh, from the AAC. So uh, the Sun Belt looks like has turned them down. AAC will do so. Our friend Jason Munts up at the Commercial Appeal asking uh, AAC Commissioner Michael Oresco uh, about kind of a timeline on realignment, and he actually has Munts has him quoted as within the next few weeks. To a month, and it just seems, Patrick. We were talking about this yesterday. It just seems like the American is so volatile right now. It looks good from a bowl revenue standpoint, but because they lost so many big media markets, you can't imagine them being able to replace it. And so it looks good on the front end, but volatility on the back end. And it seems as if the Sun Belt is the most solid conference right now. Yeah, well, I guess you could say it's the most steady conference at the moment. Uh, the American, whoever they add. You know, UAB is a solid ad, good market. You know, they've got a new facility there for football. Uh, you hope UAB kind of keeps investing in other programs like baseball. And they've got a good, you know, good tradition in basketball. So a lot of ways, UAB is a good fit for the American at this point in time. So that makes sense. But really outside of UAB, that you know, in terms of what they need to do in terms of adding TV markets to keep up that, to try to preserve their pretty good TV contract with uh, ESPN. Uh, and, and chances are that's going to fade fairly soon. I don't know how long they'll be kind of tied into this contract. Uh, I'm pretty sure ESPN is going to try to renegotiate, and that will go down significantly when you lose Houston, Central Florida, Cincinnati. Uh, that's that's a big blow. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the American right now may be the most attractive in terms of uh, money and finances, but, uh, you know, and that may be the case as well, you know, a few years from now, but not nearly as much as what it is you know, the position it's in now. So in other words, the American is, is you know, is becoming what Conference USA used to be, while Sunbelt, you know, is, is, is becoming increasingly competitive. Uh, they're in a pretty good position with their contract with ESPN, not making a load of money, but, you know, they you get more exposure right now if you're in the Sunbelt than you're in Conference USA, uh, just based on the midweek games and everything else. Uh, you know, what Coastal Carolina and some of these other programs are really being able to build brands uh, while, you know, uh, both CUSA and the American have kind of faded brands involved. Yeah, good stuff on realignment. Appreciate that take. All right, let's talk Saints for a minute. Saints 3-2 and two right now. Just that ugly, ugly loss to the Giants on there. But they were able to rebound uh, against Washington. Jameis, uh, you know, the, the touchdowns look good. Everything else a, a little underwhelming. He did throw it for close to 280 yards. Some of that was, was Washington. What was your overall take of the Saints this past weekend? No, I, I think that's what it's going to have to be. Is is you know, and you, of course, the Saint when the Saints get back more of their players, they're injured. Michael Thomas, so things will change, and I think we'll see a little bit less you know unpredictability in the offense. Uh, that's kind of what we've seen. You just don't know uh, what you're going to get. You know, the the Giants game was disappointing. Uh, the Redskins was a step forward and an ugly one, but you know, it, uh, uh, it, they really did kind of take advantage of that Redskins secondary when they were able were able to connect. I think a lot of those incompletions weren't necessarily Winston's fault, especially an interception where he gets stepped on as he's throwing the football. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think Peyton and company have got to realize that they've got to ride Winston a little bit. You know, they can't just put him in a position to be a, 
a game manager or, you know, you're kind of stuck in a position what they have with the Giants where suddenly things slow down and, and they're just trying to, you know, not make that mistake. Uh, they, you know, they need to take more chances, even though, you know, Winston's made progress there. He's not perfect as a quarterback in terms of avoiding uh, bad decisions, you know, poor throws and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, they've, they, you know, Jameis Winston's your quarterback. He's capable of throwing for a lot of yards. Uh, if they can just cut back a little bit, you know, on the turnovers he had throughout his career, you know, you're looking at a pretty decent quarterback to have there. So I think, you know, at this point, they've got to kind of get rid of the game manager mentality and let Winston go a little bit. What's kind of the uh, the takeaway between the relationship right now between he and Sean Payton? Maybe TV made more of a big of a deal than it was, but you see Payton on the sideline. Have, you know, never really seemed frustrated with Breeze, <laughs> but you see a little yeah. bit more of the angst with Winston. Is there anything to that, or that's just part of the up and downs of the game right now? No, no I think there's a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, Payton's a, an emotional guy, and, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I think he respects Winston. I think he wouldn't have brought him in if he didn't think he was capable of doing big things. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> It's obvious Peyton's just going to have more of a reaction. He knew what he was getting from Breeze basically week in and week out, and he knows he knows there's an unpredictability factor when it comes to James James Winston, and I think that kind of has him on edge coming in the game, and that's why you see him. You know, I saw him a little bit fired up after he threw it in, or James has fallen on that. So I think probably Peyton be wise to kind of try to keep his cool as much as possible. Guy I asked you about uh, a couple weeks ago, really shown out the last two weeks, uh, Pete Warner, who was the second-round pick, 13 tackles, 10 the week before. Uh, it looks like he's going to be starting. you think he'll stick in that the starting lineup on, in that the linebacker position the rest of the way beside Demario Davis? Yeah, well, I mean, whenever Quine gets healthy, you know, he'll factor in there as well. But, I, you know, I, I did see a moment or two where Warner looked a little bit, you know, like he was headed the wrong direction or, or maybe it wasn't necessarily his, his fault. But, uh, he, he's still a, a young guy. I think he's got you know great potential, and he's shown it here lately. But I think you know if if you know someone like a veteran, Aquan Alexander, steps in and plays really well, I think he would probably uh, get back in that starting eleven. But yeah, Werner is a guy that I think for the long run has a chance to be a really really good linebacker for the Saints, and I think we're just kind of seeing scratching the surface on him. Uh, so yeah, his better his best days are ahead of him. Last question real quick as we head to break. Uh, goal for the off week as they get ready for the Seahawks on the 25th Monday night. What are they trying to accomplish this week with the bye week? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's obviously a chance to get healthy and get more guys back in the fold. It's a long bye week because you come back on a Monday. So uh, it's it's one of the best little bye week situations they can imagine. It came at the, at the right time. They probably could use it two weeks ago, but uh, definitely getting healthy. Patrick, thanks for your time, man. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. All right, y'all too. Thanks. Patrick McGee with NOLA.com. Good stuff today. Kelly Sander, join us after uh, the break. We will get some quotes from Will Hall, Austin Armstrong, and talk a little more about Southern Miss UAB. Southern Miss to the top. Back on the Eagle Hour on this Wednesday. Happy to have you along with us. Again, if uh, if you can't ever catch us live because of work or just because of life, 
Eagle Hour, lots of uh, ways to catch us, of course, every day live, 1 to 2 p.m. on your local Super Talk station or on the Super Talk website, but a podcast form available also for you to listen to us on demand, supertalkhattiesburg.com, supertalklaurel.com, supertalk.fm. We're also in podcast form on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, so you can uh, just listen to us as long as your heart's desire. It may not be long. We understand that. No, but we uh, we appreciate you joining us on the Eagle Hour. Second segment brought to you, as always, by Campus Bookmark. Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street across from the University of Southern Mississippi. Great place to get everything you need to cheer on the black and gold if you're coming in this weekend for the UAB game or maybe even coming in Thursday for the big Southern Miss Rice soccer game. Stop by Campus Bookmark and get all the swag you need to cheer on the Golden Eagles. Luke Johnson, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Kelly Santer joining us now. And, and Kelly, before we get to uh, Will Hall, Austin Armstrong, uh, just a couple things that, that uh, Patrick and I talked about, and just to in case our listeners missed that first segment, Jason Munns of the uh, Commercial Appeal, of course, Memphis in the American, uh, reporting uh, a little earlier today, he actually asked uh, the American uh, athletic conference would be for the American and per the commission the few next weeks to a month. So that kind of makes sense about, you know, what, what we kind of heard from Jeremy McStalled, the American adding team. So, you know, Perch, we might see something in a few weeks. I don't think it's going to hold up the Sunbelt um, because I think the Sunbelt has already targeted their teams, including Southern Miss and, and Marshall have been the two that have been reported, you know, that have been in the crosshairs of most of the people with the Sun Belt, with those two teams not headed to the AAC, it looks like as far as realignment goes, it would not affect uh, the Sun Belt. The only way that the Sun Belt would be affected is if uh, any potential AAC members would rather go to the Sun Belt than the AAC. The reason I say that is because Jeremy McLean on this program had said when this decision is made by every school, not just Southern Miss, but when these decisions are made, it can't be based on what the conference will look like in five years. It has to be looked at, at how the conference potentially will look in 20 years. And you don't want to get in a situation to where, you know, you join, hypothetically, say you join the Sun Belt, and then five years later, you know, they're going to, half the teams are going to go somewhere else. And that's kind of the situation that the AAC is in. Of the three players in this deal, the AAC, the Sun Belt, um, and Conference USA, the AAC is the youngest. All right, so I, I totally concur with what Patrick said that Conference USA is dealing from the weakest spot, but the AAC is not far ahead. And there's a p- possibility that both of those conferences could wind up going completely belly up, and then that would, uh, that would cause a whole other problem. So we'll see. But, I, I, yeah, I, I'm hoping uh, that, that that is true, that all of this will shake out in the next month or so, so that after the first of the year we'll have something to celebrate. Yeah, sure, sure, hope so. And, uh, again... Uh, I, I hope that is what I said yesterday. I hope that there's not turnover within the Sun Belt, so that you would find yourself excited about going into a league, and yet some of the big players of that league being robbed by the American. I just think Sun Belt's going to follow what the Mountain West did, and and basically hold their members, um, you know, to to kind of like the like the Mountain West did. Just allow us to to bring in some quality teams. All right, turning the page uh, back to football. A couple of quotes from you. From this week, for from uh, Will Hall and defensive coordinator Austin Armstrong, 
you know, th- he's he's doing a little more coach talk, um, and, and I think some of that just you you got to Kelly. But here's some of the uh, the brutal honesty from from Will Hall, and really the the question was. It was a pretty, you know, blunt question. Do you feel like this group, speaking of the team, has a chance? Uh, do they feel like they have a chance to win on game day? And and this is what Will Hall had. I think they believe in how we treat them. I think they see the film. We're brutally honest in this program. It's not like, you know, we're we're uh, we're telling lies. We put the film on and show it. You know, I mean, there's three plays in that game. And if one guy just does what he's supposed to do, the whole game's drastically different. You know, because there was three devastating plays in that game. And we had three situations where one guy just didn't do what he's supposed to do, and the whole game's really different. So our kids know that. We just got to get over that hump. Losers, teams that lose, lose for a reason. You know what I mean? And teams that win don't do the things that cause you to lose. Uh, you've got to quit doing the things that cause you to lose before you start winning. Right now, man, we we set our bowling pins up and get them all just perfect. And right about the time we're about to roll the ball to knock them down, we slip the ball out of our hand and throw it backwards. You know what I mean? Like we just got to just tighten down and get everybody doing their job, and uh, it's going to get over the hump. Interesting take because I do think there is a lot of truth in that. As you, we go back to the first game of the season, it was three or four big plays that doomed the Eagles. You look at a, a, a game like Rice, it was three or four different uh, plays that doomed the Eagles. Troy game, they, they really got all dominated, but they still had opportunities in this past weekend. If you don't give up the blindside sack and the, the fumble return, if it's not for just three or four big plays, so I think there's a, there's a lot to say about that. And, and uh, Eagles are a couple plays away from maybe having two or three wins on the season. I don't know. With all due respect, I don't know that I would go that far. Um, I, I, there's just glaring problems, you know, being able to, to – you can't win if you don't score, right? So even, even as good as your defense is playing, it's on the field far too long. The offense's inconsistency, inability to block. You know, we, we've kind of been all this – been through this laundry list. I think it's – I understand the, the optimism and wanting to think that it comes down to th- three or four plays, but – the fact that your offense really hasn't I – can't, I can't think of really one big play that the offense has executed this season so far. And so if you're talking about three or four, when as a unit the offense really hasn't executed one, um, you know, I, I think it's a stretch. Believe me, I wish I was wrong. Gosh, I wish, I wish that things were just going better on the offensive side of the ball. And really, to be fair – I mean, the team takes a win or a loss, but it's the offensive side that has just struggled so mightily um, and not the defensive side. Would you agree with that, Luke? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, what I'm saying is there are crucial points. It's, it's like Southern Miss is playing. They're, they're not playing good, okay? Right. But they're, they're playing horrible at the worst possible moment. Oh, okay. Now, now that's that, fair. That's, that's what I'm saying. Okay. To, to, to go to the bowling illustration, right when the ball's about to be released, the ball goes backwards. When you're bringing out a kickoff, you fumble it. You know, When you're driving in to take the lead, you throw a pick. When you've got momentum driving down the field, you give up a blindside sack and they return it for a touchdown. So it, it's one thing to play, to play not good or bad. It's another thing to play horrible at the worst crucial moments of the, of the game. 
And uh, and and I so that's why I said I, I think there's a lot of truth that I right, here second clip here's from Austin Armstrong kind of the response and this is on the defensive side and and uh, some some fans commenting on this that I've seen on social media just saying well the definition of insanity is to do uh, you know the, the same thing over and over again the same way without change Austin Austin Armstrong kind of doubling down on on how they approach uh, defensively and uh, here's what he had to say the team at all no I, I think. You know, we practice the right way. You are out here every day. Do we practice like a one in five team on defense? You know what I mean? Neither is the offense. You know, we're coaching them, we're loving them, we're treating them the right way. They understand that the standard is the standard. We're not going to change how we treat people, how we practice, how we meet, how we do anything, regardless if we're one in five, five and one, or we're playing this, you know, Los Angeles Rams. You know what I mean? We're going to do what we do. And that's why I've been really pleased with our football team. The things that people don't see is how we practice. You know, we're building a program, not a football team. And uh, really pleased with how we practice. And we got to do it again this week. You know what I mean? Last week was our best week of practice on defense. Defense. from Monday putting the game away to a Saturday morning walkthrough. You know what I mean? We, the the haze never in the barn here. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're getting our guys ready, and our players are getting ready all the way to kickoff. So in that show, we played really well, but we got to eliminate two or three plays, you know, keeping you from being an elite group of five defense. I'm excited for that challenge. So on the flip side, here's the balance that I asked you, Kelly, about a minute left in this segment. What is the balance between believing in your approach and not changing the approach and yet saying, there's got to be something we do differently because we're one in five right now. The thing that has to be done differently, they can't do right now. And that's bring in other players, bring in more players, bring in players that are of particular needs at particular positions. So as far as this season goes, and I appreciate what Coach Armstrong is saying, but as far as this season goes, the hay really is in the barn as far as talent goes. I mean, you can't really you can't really do a whole lot more than with what you have. Yeah. So going forward, obviously, they're going to try to find out and and prioritize where the biggest weaknesses are position wise, and try to get those positions recruited so that there are just uh, more talented players in those positions. Yeah. But I but I respect the fact that they are loving the guys, they are impacting their lives, and you know they're trying hard. The guys are trying hard, but right now you just you just can't do a whole lot with with what's there overall compared to the yeah. competition football uh gearing up for a 2 30 p.m kickoff saturday home in the rock against uab tv is uh, on stadium of course you can listen to the southern miss sports network southern miss right now a 15 and a half point underdog supposed to be 73 degrees on saturday nice. be beautiful yeah stick uh stick with us on the other side of this break we'll talk to al holder and about how Southern Miss minor league baseball players finished up the professional baseball season. Eagle Hour continues right after this. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium, also known as The Rock. 4th Street always has the biggest games on TV, including the baseball playoffs now. The Braves have taken another step toward a World Series appearance. They'll have all the Braves games on there. And the lunch plate special, 8.95. It's been 8.95 forever. That includes your 
Soft Drink, 4th Street Bar and Grill. You can follow them on their Facebook page, and they'll let you know about all the other fun things that are going on, including trivia, darts, great place to shoot a game of pool. Just hang out with other Southern Miss fans. 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly Sander and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios. I'm in Hattiesburg. Luke is in Laurel. And joining us now on the Super Talk Mississippi Hotline is Al Holder, who is our baseball insider here who kind of keeps track of how all Southern Miss players in the minor leagues are doing. Can't stay long today because he's got he's got water aerobics with Wanda coming go. <laughs> at the home today up there where, where he lives. What's, uh, Al, what's the flavor of applesauce today they're serving for lunch? Uh, first off, I want to make sure you guys have paid much with their fees, you know, for advertising. Oh, Mott's yeah. applesauce, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Al's their but, celebrity endorser for uh, Mott's <laughs> applesauce. I like, I like the cranberry uh, in my applesauce. All right, well, good. There, there's some trivia we now know about Al. So, Al, the season, the season's over. Kind of bring us up to date as to how what type of season our Southern Miss guys had in the minors, and of course, we had one of the making a break to the majors there toward the end of the year. Yeah, it, it, I was really uh, sad to see uh, Nick uh, had a shoulder issue. Uh, and they I, they probably could have uh, rehabbed him and brought him back from what little I understand, but I think that they just really wanted to shut him down and get him as healthy as they could for next year. They did, I don't think they figured they were going to make the playoffs anyway, and so uh, it was just one of those uh, things from a long-term standpoint, they wanted him really healthy for next year. Uh, the... Uh, I, you know, the, I, there's a couple of kids at the Walner, and I, I just think Ock has a, a tremendous upside, uh, and we'll just have to wait and see how that works out. Cause he's real new to professional baseball, but I, he's just really, really looks good on the mound. He's got he, he throws hard from the left side, and they'll help him develop a couple of extra pitches. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, but Al, can, can we go back can, can we go back and talk about Nick Salen for just a minute? Sure, when, sure. when he was in the Indians lineup though, he was he was effective. He did a great job. No question. It, he was uh he was their guy that when they got in trouble in the middle innings, uh they brought Nick in and uh all I can only remember one time where he did not uh shut the uh the other team down. He he just never seemed to get in trouble, and uh, they'd bring him in w- w- whether they had, uh, you know, they, whether he was going to start an inning, but or whether he was going to, you know, the last out and then take the next inning, or just pitch two batters. But he always seemed to be ready, and he was very very effective. You, I don't know, you remember when he was in Hattiesburg, and it was like that that ball was uh, it break two or three feet. It it, it was just. Uh, the kid's got some good stuff. I hope he can stay healthy. And it looks like it looks like that J.C. Keys is really popular with the Cincinnati Reds, talking with some of the folks in their organization. They're very high on J.C. And again, J.C. is not is not a six foot four guy that's gonna, you know, that's just gonna throw it in there at one hundred and two miles an hour. But uh, but whatever he's doing, the Reds are impressed because he seems to be pretty solid there. What can you I, tell us I about J.C. And you know, it is he pretty much has two strikeouts for every base on balls, which is one of the key things that these people look for. So we'll just have to watch him. He's in uh, double was he double A Chattanooga, and uh, so I think we'll just have to kind of keep an eye on him. And then uh, the the youngster that was going to go junior college, and his name uh, escapes him, but was drafted. Uh, help me, guys. 
Um, he it was originally going to go to Pearl River and then signed at Southern Miss late and then had a great year and was oh, drafted. Reed Trimble. Trimble. There you go. Thank you. Reed yeah. Trimble. Uh, what, what do we know about uh, his progress at this point, Al? The, 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 the one statistic with uh, Reed that stands out, there's not a lot. He only played in 20, 22 games, but uh, when you look at his OPS at 854, that's a very, very good OPS. If he can maintain that as he moves up, uh, he'll have a, a really, really good shot, and very possibly next year if he continues to to, to uh, produce, to get on base and have a good slugging, he will move up, and especially at Baltimore because they need players, you know, that can that can function up at that level. So yeah, he had uh, he had, but he had 25 strikeouts. That uh, was something that kind of stood out to me in 22 games. That his whole story, Luke Reed Trimble's whole story to me, because again, this was a guy. It was not recruited, you know, wasn't really highly recruited, was going to go to Pearl River. Yeah. All right. In the MAC. Now, look, Pearl River was one of the top five teams in the country. And, and I, I am a big junior college uh, opportunity fan. So it's not like it's not like Pearl River was a slouch, but he was going to go the junior college route and then signed late at Southern Miss. And then to have the type of season that he did as a Golden Eagle, I just think it was, man, you talk about right place, right time and coming through in the clutch. Trimble has made the most of the opportunity. Part of, it, part of it was because his his body shape doesn't really, you know, historically define the type of power that, that he showed from both sides of the plate. That's what Trimble's got. When you have, you know, double-digit home run power from both sides of the plate, along with he, – he's like a four-and-a-half tool prospect. I mean, and, and when you look at what he did, and Al, you can, you can talk a little more about this, but, you know, what, what Trimble did in the – really what vaulted him was what he did at the highest level of competition, which was in the Oxford Regional. and. Yep from both sides of the plate and and then the clutch ability on top of that and uh, and his speed his underrated speed is really what shot him up the boards yeah it, it, it seemed to me that he his focus uh got a little more intense as the year went went on and as he as we got into uh conference uh, tournament and we got into the regionals it just seemed to me that his focus got a lot better and uh he he's a terrific uh outfielder too he runs down balls at you just don't think he's he's going to get. You can't get to, him. he gets to him. He's he's real fast. And you're right, his uh, Luke. His bat speed is something to behold. It gets, yeah. really reminds me a little bit of a guy that I used to watch years ago. Uh, Ernie Banks had the best wrists in baseball, and yeah. uh, didn't look like he could do what he did. But oh my goodness! Now let's, for let's talk about uh, a few more guys, uh, Al. Let's let's talk about. Well, this is Super Talk, so we'll talk about the mouth of the South, Kurt McCarty. Um, he, of course, he's with the Indians and really played at AAA the entire year. Yep. They, they, Cleveland likes McCarty, and I don't I don't know exactly what they're doing to polish him off, but uh, you know maybe it's another pitch, maybe it's uh, maybe it's developing a pitch he already has, uh, but. He's he's 104 strikeouts and 44 bases on balls. That is that's top level stuff there. And he's uh, uh, he's he's. Al, are you there? Kelly, you think we may have lost yeah. Al? Yeah, we so, no, we lost him. We could we hear lost the, him. So hear the anyway, he was talking about McCarty and and kind of Kurt's numbers this year: nine wins, six losses, five oh one ERA. 
strikeouts 104 in 124 innings pitch, but they're only hitting 246 off of him. So, so McCarty, one of those guys, I, I think, you know, it can, I, do you feel like, I feel like Kurt's more of a long reliever. That's going to be his outlook if he, if he makes the show. I don't know. I, I, you know, I asked myself that question quite a bit last year as to what, what exactly do they have designed for Kirk? Because he's always been a starter, right? Now, he wouldn't mind, obviously, being a long reliever for me if it means that he can, that he can get to the show. But I think that, that Kirk's going to get to the age here pretty quick where they're either going to have to fish or cut bait, I think, because th- this is a really smart guy that's going to make a lot of money, whether it's in baseball or not in baseball. Um, and I just I don't see Kirk being the type of guy that's going to sit there and play AAA baseball for four or five years. Yeah, you know. Yeah, AAA is so close to the big leagues. It's 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 you know these players. If if you're not in the right place, that that really hurts you. But he he pitched 24 games, 124 innings. That's 5.2 innings average. And so he's going deep into these games, and uh, it's a. Uh, uh, I, he's given up 25 home runs, which is one. But I, and again, I don't know what what they're doing, but uh, they're probably polishing off a pitch or two, you know, maybe, maybe a cutter or something. But I coach out. I only taught three pitches: a two seamer, a four seamer, and a changeup. That was it. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, Al, about uh, about 30 seconds left. Tell us uh, yeah. about a couple more guys: Walker Powell, uh, Jared Wright, Bradley Roney. Some of those guys. Roney has been around for a long time. I don't know if you remember Bradley, but. He had a gun when he played uh, third base, and uh, so he's he's back. Uh, I think he's at uh, Syracuse in Triple A for the Mets up there. So we'll see. I don't. It, it just seemed like his ball never had much movement on it. That was the one thing I kind of noticed. He he pitched here in uh, at uh, in Pearl for a while. You know, with uh, the Braves, the uh, you know, Mississippi Braves. Uh, the uh, uh, let's see. This, Cody Carroll, he just kind of keeps hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. Probably makes pretty good money up there at AAA. <laughs> well, Al, it's always good to talk to you, and I know all the youngsters are now Googling Ernie Banks. Uh, <laughs> we've got plenty more of the Eagle Hour straight ahead. But Al, always good to talk to you, buddy. Good luck at uh, aerobics today. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'll need it. <laughs> okay. We'll be back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Producer engineer Michael Mergens on the board today. We always appreciate uh, Michael's help. I'm Kelly in the uh, First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke is in. I'm supposed beautiful downtown Laurel at the uh, at the studio there. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. Something I always have appreciated about D1 and DBAT. Now, now don't laugh when I tell you this. But you talk about a place that is clean, all right? When you have a lot of athletes, you got a lot of kids in there, boys and girls, anywhere from 5 to 18 years old, always in there running around and and moving things around. But it's always tidy, neat as a pin. And, of course, we've all become more sensitive and aware to cleanliness with the the virus and all that sort of thing. Man, D-Bat and D-1, a spotless place to go and work out. and And I appreciate that. And they're big fans of this show. We're big fans of theirs at well. 
as well. Up near Interstate 59 in Hattiesburg, DBAT and uh, D1 training. So Luke's got a little bit about a lot of things in the Southern Miss sports world, including golf and a little beach volleyball. Luke, fill us in. Coach Taylor, Coach Sean Taylor of Beach Volleyball releasing uh, the schedule for the Lady Beach Volleyball team. They will open the season this coming Saturday, the fall tournament uh, hosted by Southern Miss on campus, Tulane, Spring Hill College, Southeastern Louisiana coming in. And then as uh, you start looking down the line, man, some some big teams on this, Florida State, LSU, uh, Tulane, all that is in uh, the month to come in October. They'll take on Georgia State, Chattanooga. UAB, LSU, Tulane again in uh, in November. And then uh, in the spring, Pepperdine, Cal Poly, Oh-ho. Loyola, Marymount. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of coming up for Coach Taylor and the ladies of Beach Volleyball. I, I would think, Luke, I would think that when those California teams, when we play, the, that, that we would be prohibitive underdogs. Wouldn't you Possibly. think? Let's take down Pepperdine. <laughs> yeah. Let's take them down. So, uh, Coach Nunn Burke of the uh, of the golf team, man, this was a we talked about it yesterday, kind of as the tournament was finishing up, but the the results went final. Lady Eagle golf team up at the Lady Red Wolf Classic in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Lady Eagles shoot a sixth lowest score in school history. They shot a eight eighty, so fifty four hole total, the lowest, sixth lowest in school history. Coach uh, Nunn Burke was uh, Lucy Nunn Burke. It's quoted as, there's no backing down from this group. A few stumbles through round one, but they made adjustments and created a ton of opportunities, did not force anything for the last two rounds. All five Lady Eagle golfers finish inside the top 40. Three or four finish inside the top 27. Three finish inside the top 23. And two Lady Eagles finish inside the uh, the top 15. Elena Malich finishes eighth, so a top 10 performance for the Lady Eagles as they finish third behind South Alabama and Eastern Kentucky. Lady Eagles uh, will get ready again for uh, their next tournament coming up first weekend of um, November, sponsored by Mercer in Macon, Georgia. So what do you know? Sixth best in program history really, stuff from the Lady Eagles. You know, if Jeremy McLean had to do a State of the Athletic Department speech every year like the president does the State of the Union address, I mean, things are things are pretty good at Southern Miss. It's just this big, glaring situation with football, and hopefully we'll get, you know. And, and again, full believer that Will Hall and, and those guys, they'll take care of it. It's just going to take time, people. It's just, just going to take time. And look, he'd be the first one to say that if he gets the time and it doesn't happen, you know, then then you let the... Then you let the business world, you know, take care of it from there. But some other things to tell you about tomorrow, we will be live on location at Ramey Motors in Purvis. We're going to be taking the show all over the place, and it's because you want us to. You've, you've told us that you'd like to see that. So we're going to be at Ramey Motors in Purvis tomorrow. Then we're going to be at Mississippi Made. That's in Hattiesburg on Friday. We'll give you an update on the fundraising effort for Coach Corky Palmer. Melissa Socher will join us to not only talk about that fundraising effort, but about her store, which features, get this, Mississippi-made products. Which, you know, imagine that, a business that's actually what? named <laughs> yeah, for, for what they sell. I was wondering what they had. Yeah, and, and then a little bit later on, of course, we're getting closer to Halloween. We're going to have a trick-or-treat at the Pete or trick-or-treating or trunk-or-treat with the Eagles or something like that. Dinner uh, with Mr. Clean, if Scott Berry's out there. Yeah, we talked. We, Coach wasn't real keen on wearing a costume this year. He says he says at his age, maybe he thinks he's finally over that. You know, we'll have to maybe. I feel the same way because my wife feels with our toddler that we have to dress up, too, to take her trick-or-treating. I don't see the 
connection no, or why. Right. But, but yeah, and it's tough trying to figure out what to to do. It especially is, be different, and unique. And, it, it is one of those things where it's it's really very few times a year adults really get to kind of you know dress up or do what they. As you far know. as we know. Yeah. I mean, we're, when you're totally sober or unmedicated, right. you know, but Halloween is one of those things. But lots of great things uh, going on. So we're going to be uh, keeping up to date with all of these things at Southern Miss. Of course, Spirit Park on Friday will be open. Remember, this is a 2.30 start, Luke. I think some people are thinking it might be a 6 o'clock start. Like the first, yeah, that, that the first two games have been. But this one will be a 2.30. And then I think from here on, then after that, the remaining home games are, what, 2 o'clock? Two o'clock starts, I think. Uh, we'll have to follow that, but no more sixes. I don't think. You got, yeah. So this coming Saturday against UAB, two thirty, November sixth, two p.m. Right, and then the last game against FIU at two p.m. Yeah. So no more six o'clock games, y'all. Get that adjusted because daylight savings time will kick in here pretty soon as well. Regardless of what the time is, we're going to be here Monday through Friday to bring you the very latest information as to what's going on in the Southern Miss Golden Eagle universe. And we thank you for the kind words, those of you who have uh, have uh, expressed that you'd like the show, and we enjoy doing it as well. For Luke Johnson in the studio and Laurel, I'm Kelly Sander. For producer-engineer Michael Mergens, I'm Kelly Sander. We'll see you again tomorrow at a little bit after 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.